I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fresh episode of Fish Bites. Eli Sussman here with you as usual. Been a while since the previous episode. We greatly appreciate your patience. Of course, we've been doing that daily Miami Marlins coverage for you on fishstripes.com and across all our social media platforms. Fishstripes on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, even on TikTok. Trying that out as well. Uh, but there just wasn't much substance out there to merit a deeper conversation until this week. Now we got some new news to really dive into, rapidly developing plans and scenarios about the potential 2020 MLB season, the upcoming MLB draft, the Hall of Fame induction, ticket refunds for those of you planning to go to Marlins Park, and a lot more. So joining me to discuss all of it, it is Alex Contreras. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hope everybody's staying safe during these quarantine times. It's been a busy few days on the rumor front, and that's all this is. That's why I want to preface this whole conversation with these are rumors and reports coming out from, from insiders, but not from the team itself or the league itself, although we have some public officials that are um, really confident about baseball actually coming back in some form or fashion this season. Still in doubt, but the one that really shook up a lot of the conversation came out from Bob Nightingale of USA Today. This was this past Tuesday about the potential to have a season in which every MLB team, the Marlins included, actually play in their regular ballparks, sorting them into three separate 10-team divisions and really just demolishing everything we know about American League and National League, all the formatting stuff, but playing in Major League ballparks, uh, playing against each other in an abbreviated season. And you were the one that brought this up to me about something that was really on your mind. Uh, just to lay it out for everybody, the Marlins to be on in the Eastern Division of this scenario a 10-team division along with the Mets, the Phillies, the Nationals, as usual. Also, all these American League teams, the Orioles, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, and finally, the Pirates as well. So I'll just throw it out to you. Um, 
what do you think when you saw this plan and uh, how do you think the Marlins would handle this situation if they would be competitive or not? Well, to be honest with you and Frank, I'm pretty excited about it. You know, uh, at one point it looked like we weren't going to have a baseball season at all. Now major league baseball has come up with a, a proposal to have 10 teams in, in different divisions, you know, the East, the central and the West. Um, at first I, I saw it and I love seeing, you know, yeah, you got the Yankees, you got the Red Sox, the Pirates, the Blue Jays, the Rays uh, playing against the Marlins now. And uh, that's going to be exciting because we're going to see different players that we're not accustomed to seeing on a daily basis. Maybe you would see them in spring training if you were lucky enough. Maybe they would swap them out, do a double switch because everybody has to play during the spring training. Um, but with that being said, man, I got to be excited because it, it's a new format. You got to be open to it. Um, again, it's exposure for Major League Baseball. Uh, they had different different plans. Uh, they had talked about in Arizona, playing in Texas, playing in Florida. And now what you mentioned with Bob Nightingale, and he's saying that possibly teams can play at their home ballparks without fans, and that's going to be great. Um, it makes sense. A lot of these ball players don't want to be too far away from their families, and that's understanding, you know. Uh, they're going out to perform, to, to give people like you and I a relief, uh, a distraction from the real-world realities. And um, what, what else can I tell you? Yeah, I love it. I love that, you know, this is the, the best shot that we have at baseball. Um, I'm upset that some people are against it. Uh, for example, uh, Michael Wilpon from ESPN, he was totally against it. He says he didn't care about Major League Baseball's plan. With all due respect to Mr. Wilpon, I mean, you got to think about not just yourself. You got to think about everybody, man. You know, uh, I understand that health is an issue and people are concerned with this virus. But, you know, we're going to be able to uh, achieve it uh, and come together. And things will be looking up, man. I really believe that. Yeah, well, there's always going to be critics of this, especially right now when we're still kind of in the thick of this. We may have passed the very peak of this virus in the U.S., but still yeah, affecting so many people in all different parts of the country. And um, I should clarify that in this plan, the you know the loose time frame that they're looking at would be to start the regular season in late June, early July, and get in about three or four weeks of spring training in before that, which would mean really making a decision on this uh, relatively soon. I mean, this episode is going to go up at the start of May, and by the end of this month, by the end of May, it's going they're going to actually have to rule one way or the other about exactly how this is going to unfold because it all like assumes certain things. It assumes, of course, that we have less casualties across the country. It assumes that we have more surrounding businesses that are open and more people available to work themselves and all these little operations that go around a baseball game. And uh, it assumes most importantly that we have like widespread testing of everybody. Because if you're going to be on the field in this situation, uh, you know baseball and how how like uh, even though it's not considered like a contact sport, there's all these situations to exchange germs with one another and to bump into other people. So they need to be absolutely positive that nobody playing in the game has a virus themselves. Because if you if one guy gets has it and is allowed to play in these games, it's going to be so easy to transmit it both to his teammates, to his opponents, and to the support staff as well, to guys on the coaching staff that might be more at risk than your typical player because of their age or pre-existing conditions. Uh, but the one key difference that I mentioned up top is that playing games in their own stadiums and realigning the division so that teams are only playing against teams that are relatively close to one another. It cuts down on travel, but it keeps it so that the games are still in the, in the stadium. 
why that's important to the Marlins is they've made some changes to the stadium heading into 2020 that we, we've discussed over the offseason and been really excited about. Brought in the fences a little bit to encourage a little more offense, more home runs, and also ripping up uh, all the grass, the grass that was struggling to grow in Marlins Park for years and years. They replaced it all with this artificial turf as well. So my other question to you is, if they had this scenario where they're actually playing in their home ballparks, do you think that makes it feel more legitimate? Because the reality is they're not going to play 162 games. They'll be lucky to play like half as many games and it's going to be rushed and there's going to be double headers and it's going to be pushed into weird times of the year that we're not used to. But the alternative would be like playing in spring training facilities and uh, places that the average fan isn't familiar with or all that interested in. So do you think it makes a difference that we'd actually be watching games being played in the usual ballparks instead of, um, instead of these lower grade facilities? Well, I think it's a, it's an awesome opportunity to expose teams in different markets. Um, I think I love this plan of major league baseball using each team's home stadium as, as their own. Right. Uh, so the Yankees can use a Yankee stadium. The Mets can use city field. They can all use their own home ballpark, and I think that's great. And it's way better than using these spring training uh, facilities because at the end of the day, yeah, you can be in Florida, you can be in Arizona, and you, you might do double headers, but, man, that sun's going to drain on you. It's going to kill you, and it's, it's way more complex than we think. But at the end of the, thing, uh, at the, end of the day, fans are going to appreciate more watching a Yankee Stadium than watching you know, the Washington Nationals West Palm Beach spring training facility. You know? Um, I'm all for the double headers. I think this is a great time for America's pastime to be its present time. Once again, I love how, how MLB took the baton. Uh, credit Rob Manfred and uh, Tony Clark, the president of Baseball uh, Players Association. They're trying to work together to make this happen. Again, yes, we got this proposed East, the proposed West, the proposed Central, but nothing's de- definitive yet. You know, um, It's way more complex. Uh, these guys definitely want to go and play in major league stadiums. But they also want to be in areas where you can play double headers, you know, uh, stadiums like the Marlins Park, like Tropicana out in Tampa Bay. They're open to playing double headers. Why? Because you have a retractable roof. It's more likely that you can play that game as opposed to playing it somewhere open, like in the Baltimore, where maybe it might rain, maybe it might not. Um, but yeah, man, overall, definitely really excited that, that Major League Baseball is, is collaborating with the federal government as well. They're participating in taking tests seeing how the antibodies work with the sports and the athletes. Um, yes, the, uh, the, the baseball isn't as, as much of a contact sport as football, but these guys got to interact with one another. And it's going to be very interesting to see that roster expansion already going from 20, 25 to 26 this year and possibly being extended out to 29. There's a lot of major league stars that are speaking out, uh, specifically guys like Mike Trout, who <laughs> Uh, funny enough, Rob Manfred said that he doesn't speak out too much. But Mike Trout himself, he's expecting a kid soon. And uh, I don't think he's too open about, hey, I got to leave my kid to go play baseball and, I, you know, putting them in danger because of this whole virus. So it's a way more complex. Yes, because guys are getting to the point where they're having families. But this is also an opportunity for the younger guys to accelerate their path to the big leagues you know we might see a 6-0 Sanchez way before we expected maybe we're going to see a 6-0 Sanchez this year around in August that might happen a little bit faster it all depends how big these roster expansions are going to be yeah and it should be noted that I mean this most recent 
proposal or not it's not even a proposal yet i mean this is this most recent like possibility was brought up by bob nightingale and he's the same reporter that actually floated uh, a long time ago probably about a full month ago he said that under any circumstance we're going to see larger active rosters than we're used to as you just said they put in that new rule heading into this year where under normal circumstances they were going to add an extra roster spot to make it 26 on every major league roster nightingale was the one that threw out the 29 number like a month ago and yeah, that's huge because that means at least one extra pitcher, at least one extra hitter. And I mean, who knows how things have evolved uh, since then? Because the other complication in this is whether or not there's going to be a minor league season. And there's like some serious doubt about that because if it's hard enough to keep people safe in all these major cities that have major league teams um, and keep them tested and make sure that players get where they need to get in terms of travel. I mean, it, it seems like an impossible challenge if you're talking about in these little towns in the middle of nowhere where ordinarily travel is grueling as it is and they, they're they missing a lot of the personnel that you have in major league facilities. That I mean, the, the entire scenario having minor league baseball itself, like that seems a lot more in-depth than major league does. So if you're not even going to have minor league baseball going on in these other cities, you need to do something with like all these minor league players, right? You need to have them somewhere and uh, you need to have them either on the major league roster or nearby in the case of double headers, in the case of injuries. And they need to be doing something productive with their lives where we got to see a lot of these guys in spring training, whether it was Sixto or Jazz Chisholm, Monte Harrison, Lewin Diaz, Braxton Garrett, Trevor Rogers. These are all guys that were invited to major league camp, don't have major league experience, but under the right circumstances, they'd be able to make it to the majors this year, but uh, which, which one of those young prospects that we saw in spring training that we haven't seen in the majors yet, which one of those guys would you be most excited to see in the majors if we get those expanded rosters and, you know, we have those opportunities for them to get involved? I really can't wait to see Monte, man. I can't yeah. wait till he embrace, embraces the whole opportunity in the outfield. Um, and again, this is one of those opportunities that I feel like he's going to seize it. You know, he's going to get this great opportunity. We don't know. There, there's so many things that there are are uncertain right now there's these non-roster invites not only for the marlins uh, for example we've got a matt camp and it's like we don't know what's going to happen with these guys you know uh, the shot that they were they, they were getting a shot in spring training to see if they still had something left in the tank and the same could be said for other non-roster invitees that we were excited about a box burger you know and it's like wow now with this whole thing in jeopardy with the whole season, even minor league baseball being in jeopardy, it's like, what's going to happen? Yeah, we can think about the 40-man roster for each individual baseball club, and they can they can travel along, like Eli said. But what about all those other guys in the minor leagues? I'm talking about the single A, the double A, triple A, the rookie leagues. What about all the development with them? What about all those poor people that, that their jobs, you know what I mean? All the little guys that help get our major leaguers to the big stage. We can't forget about that. I was listening to this amazing interview the other day uh, with Victor Martinez, and he talks about he worries for, for the young minor leaguers. You know, they don't they don't get paid as much as the major league ball players do. And a lot of the times these guys got to be roommates, three, four guys living in one apartment just to pay rent. And it's like, wow, what are these guys going to do if, if there's no baseball? There's no minor league baseball. What's going to happen with them? That's one of the concerns that people tend to over forget about. Yeah, it was, I believe every major league team, they stepped up and like when it became clear that everything was going to be delayed, they committed to paying these minor leaguers through at least the end of May, like in terms of the little 
pieces of salary that were they were going to get uh, under normal circumstances, which as you, as you're saying, it's, it's basically nothing. It's, it's like the bare minimum that you could hand a guy in order to keep himself fed and keep himself exercised and just all the bare essentials that you would need to get through, but really nothing more on top of that. And so, I mean, for the time being, I believe that commitment is only through the end of May. And normally their season goes all the way until like Labor Day weekend in, in most years. So I mean, that commitment still hasn't been made yet. And as, as much as you, you want to see some of these top prospects, like the Marlins are in this great position because they had all these guys that were already at the high levels of the minor leagues. They're already in a position where they were within one, they were like right on the verge of breaking through to the major leagues anyway. Uh, and some of them, frankly, uh, especially someone like Sixta was someone that already showed all the skills that you'd want from a major league player. And he was just waiting for the opportunity more than like anything else. And so now you get a little bit more opportunities, but there's all these other layers in the minor league system, including guys that are, are teenagers, ones that are would normally be in college right now that have never played a full season at the minor league level. And so there's really no good. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help the team to actually put them in major league games right now and to rush them up. And one other thing that came to mind for me um, among many other things is whether or not they'd be able to squeeze in like a trade deadline for this season, because as a Marlins fan, unfortunately we are one, two, three, 16, 17 years in since the last time they made the playoffs. And in a lot of those years, they've been out of playoff contention, like by the middle of the year. And what you're looking forward to is the trade deadline and adding more young players and, uh, you know, thanking the veterans for their service, but sending them to places where they're needed as their contracts are expiring. And that was like a big um, part of this season as well, where you had all these prospects waiting in the wings once we got to the middle of the year, someone like a, a Jesus Aguilar, a Jonathan VR, Brandon Kinsler, Jose Urania, those are all guys that didn't necessarily fit with the long-term direction of the team. And the Marlins were praying that they had good starts to their season and expected to flip them, you would think, to teams that are right in the mix in the middle of the year in order to get more young talent in return. So I think that's going to be what, one of the biggest questions to go along with all this is whether – if you're so worried about public health, are you going to be willing to send players to different teams and have them doing all this additional travel in order to meet their new teams that might be playing in a different division, you know, quote unquote division, a different part of the country and whether that would even be allowed. So, I mean, that's, that's the one thing that is such a key detail when it comes to the Marlins is whether or not there's still going to be that player movement in the middle of the year, whether there's going to be an opportunity to actually make more changes in order to sure up the, like long-term core that the Marlins are building. Absolutely, man. You're killing it, man. Yeah, we need to send you to Manfred's team. We need like Eli Sussman with Rob Manfred. Yeah. Get key points, man. Key points that people tend to overthink about or they don't even think about it. It's completely true. Well, so, I mean, I mean one of the other benefits uh, of the team is that, of course, they have – uh, on, on the flip side, if you want to spin it to a positive sense, I mean, all the, a lot of those guys were on expiring contracts or they didn't have commitments beyond this year. You know, this is also the final year of that Wei-Yin Chen contract. Finally coming off the books is is the, what remains of his $80 million commitment. And just overall, there's basically, there's so few commitments on the books for 2021 and beyond. So if the, the issue that you have with this season, well, one of the many issues is that it, you have a shortened season you don't know where the ballparks are going to be playing in. You don't know exactly what the rules are going to be. It's going to be difficult to actually judge what's going on, right? It's going to be difficult to 
make any form any opinions about what happens and being able to analyze it the way that you normally would under like a controlled situation. So you might not learn much during the year and feel players that already uh, locked onto your payroll long term. Um, this is puts you in a really difficult situation where you don't know whether they'll be any good once we return to normal, hopefully all things, assuming everything trends in the right direction and, and 2021 is more or less a normal year in terms of where we're playing and the schedule we're playing. Um, you, you want to be prepared for when things return to normal. And with, with Marlins, they get pretty close to a fresh slate heading into 2021 because they have all these guys that'd be coming off the books anyway, but it's uh yeah, it's, it's just really complicated. And I think it is worth touching on a couple of the other alternate scenarios. I mean, one of the other ones, um, the one that came out earlier from ESPN, Jeff Patterson of ESPN was the possibility of putting everybody together in a baseball village out in Arizona, having, you know, thousands of players and personnel all together in the same spot to really cut down on travel and uh, to put it in a place where uh, to this point, Arizona has been a place that doesn't have, as much prominence of COVID-19 as other parts of the country. Um, but <laughs> uh, it's kind of crazy. Know. You're kind of suggesting low key to like, Hey, let's hostage all major league baseball players and let's just have them all here in like this baseball village. I mean, it sounds good in, in a, in a, in a fantasy world, but the reality is these guys have families, man. These guys, come on. Like, how are you going to ask a Mike Trout or a Chris Bryant that just had kids to, Hey, leave your newborn child and you can't see him for the next four or five months. I think it's kind of pushing the envelope a little, a little bit. That's another thing, you know, you got to think about these guys. Are they going to be able to flip the switch? It's, it's completely different. Um, when you talk to players playing in front of crowds, you know, are they going to be able to get into it uh, and get that adrenaline, the, those juices uh, flowing, so to speak. And at the end of the whole season, when we do have a champion, a World Series quarantine champion, is that quarantine champion going to have the same weight as the other World Series champions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Yeah, and I mean to that last point, it I don't see any situation where it would. I think no matter what, people are going to view this differently. And just as it's difficult to like really evaluate what's going on when you have this smaller sample size, and when you have all these other factors that could, all these other variables that can make people uncomfortable, that get you out of your routine. And we know we know these athletes are so locked into their routines in terms of how they prepare for games and uh, the way they plan out their entire year and all that gets thrown away in this situation and becomes a big inconvenience. Um, I, could, I can also see like a, like a scenario. You remember the movie, The Replacements? 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember. I can see I can see something like that happening legit. Like, you know, maybe the star players are against it and you know the players' associations agrees with them. And maybe this will be a big window opportunity for the young guys in the minor leagues who who don't have anywhere to go because they're not part of the 40 man roster. And maybe, you know, 10, 10 players or three players or whatever number of amount of players from each major league ball club says, Hey, you know what? I'm opting out and you gotta respect. So we could be open to a lot of different things here. Well, I mean, I don't know about that. And I mean, the big reason why is that even before all this happens, there was, um, there's this looming battle coming up. There was this real fear that we would have a labor stoppage in bait, a work stoppage in baseball um, at the end of the next collective bargaining agreement, because we've seen uh, a lot of older players that don't get the money they used to on the free agent market. The younger players, when they first get called up to the majors, uh, they don't necessarily get paid what they're worth either. And there was, um, there was some tension between the players and ownership even before all this really complicated situation. And so this, the collective bargaining agreement that they have in place is set to end after the 2021 season. So it's less than two years away for them to get it sorted out. And if you have, if you have the players that are actually stepping away from the table uh, because they feel uncomfortable with the conditions of the short season, uh, then all of a sudden, even when hopefully the, the world returns to normal and everybody's healthy and happy and able to um, do whatever they want, that, that baseball is stopped for another totally different reason because these guys are fighting with each other. Um, so it was a good sign that there has been dialogue between the association and the owners. I mean, there was that agreement that at this moment, players are getting paid a, a small percentage of their salary, even if there's no games. Um, that had to be negotiated with the owners, and the owners will, were willing to to like like give that a little piece to them in order to make sure that everybody is put in a situation where they could take care of their families, regardless of whether or not this um, how this disease affects the plans for the season. So there were some compromises made already in order to even set the stage for a possibility that they can shorten the season and uh, make all these changes to the game. So I, I wouldn't want to see that all like erased just because uh, these guys are negotiating too tough with one another. Uh, but the one thing that sticks out to me about the Arizona plan is of course, it's a different time zone than we are uh, on the East coast. Most of our listeners are probably on the East coast too. Um, and the, the fact that in Arizona, I mean, what, what's known for as much as anything else is that in the middle of the summer, it, it's as hot and as dry as like any place in the country. And even though they have all these facilities there that are normally used for spring training, uh, they're used uh, under totally different conditions. If you're like playing these games in July and August, um, I, I think what was mentioned in the ESPN report is the probability that you have these games being played at strange times. You get them played either first thing in the morning, but more likely like really late at night once the sun goes away and once it gets, it drops down to normal again, because you don't want the players to be put in a position where they're going to hurt themselves or where they're not going to be able to perform up to their abilities because of the, all the heat that they're playing in. And that, that just makes me think of how right now the baseball going on right now is in, is in Asia, <laughs> even though when you don't have any baseball, it feels good to get that. Um, I wouldn't want to be in that situation year round, you know, where you're actually having to stay up uh, into the middle of the night in order to wait for the, the sun to set in Arizona and for that to get underway too. I mean, that's uh, one, one of the big comforting things about baseball that we all love is that it's on the set schedule. It's every single day, but it's usually at the same time every day. And we're able to like build our routines around it. So I think that's one thing that baseball definitely has to weigh 
in this situation is if you want to get viewers, uh, viewers love baseball no matter what. They root for the team no matter what. But to put them in the best situation to actually stay glued to the entire season and um, to cover the season as we do on fish drives, uh, the best way to in everybody's situation is to put them at a convenient time at a set time. And uh, we don't know whether the virus is going to even make that possible for things to actually happen on a, like a normal routine or any of that. All that is like up for debate. Yeah. Since, since we're on that, that subject about Asian baseball, uh, whether it's Taiwan, Korean, um, want to share a cool fact with you guys that Shin So Chu, the outfielder for the Texas Rangers, he donated $190,000 of, of his salary to minor leaguers in the I Texas Rangers organization. Oh yeah. So talk about paying it forward, man. This, that's what it's about. Uh, that's what that's really what it's about in baseball and and paying it forward with mankind. A couple, yeah, just only a couple players around the game have stepped up to do that, and it's uh, because it's such a conflict of interest, right? Because those guys coming up behind you, I mean, technically, if you're at a certain point in your career, you see them as your competition. You see them as the guys that are hungry, but also cheap for their team in order to call up and that if you're a veteran on a longer on a more expensive deal and if you're worried about your limited time left in the game and you're worried about uh, being able to get a new contract that helps you like keep your way of life then sometimes those guys don't extend that olive branch to the next generation because they see it as a conflict they see those guys as uh, an enemy of them but uh it's refreshing when you see other players have more common sense have more uh, dignity in that situation and you have a heart yes yeah, mm-hmm. to, to support them to make sure the game's in a good situation moving forward and uh yeah to not put it like their self-interest over anything else and uh one movement that every single major league team is making of course is recognizing that some of these games are not going to be played at all no matter what happens and mo- most importantly you're not going to see these games with uh crowds in attendance during the 2020 regular season and and the Marlins have been one of the first teams to really issue publicly the specifics about their plan, uh, allowing you to get refunds for games in March, April, or May. If you issue a request in writing, they're going to put that money back in your bank account or in your credit card limit um, within a few days or applying extra credit to what you have moving to next season. I I mean, I was comparing their policy um, with some of the other policies that came out around the league in terms of the perks that you get if they actually roll over your ticket purchase to the next year, to 2021 or to later in 2020, and giving a a 10% bonus to everybody, not just the season ticket holders, but all the way down to small groups, all the way down to just single-game buyers, even people going on their own, they all get to benefit from that extra bonus credit going into um, being applied to the purchase that they made. So, So, Alex, is that something that you really think is um how do you feel about the fact that this team is really stepping up putting their fans first in this situation i love how this administration has stepped up and proven to this community that they really care about them the marlins are going out their way going into miami going into broward going all over south florida west palm beach and they're getting involved they're giving out food they're giving out face masks that they've used off their own uniforms I think this is so awesome that they're going the extra mile to get involved with their community. On uh, on May 7th, they're going to have a food drive, uh, food for friends, and it's going to be at Marlins Park. 
They're also going to have different locations. Um, I'm going to retweet the information from Marlon's communication on Twitter, uh, on the real Acon, and you guys will be able to go and check out the key restaurants that they're going to be handing out food. They're going to have like Ball and Chain on Calle Ocho. They're going to have Quarter Deck in Fort Lauderdale, Twin Peaks in Davie. So guys, when I say that the Miami Marlins administration cares, I feel so thankful and blessed that we have Sherman and we have Jeter and everybody in the front office involved because I don't know if Mr. Loria and Mr. Sampson would have done as great a job as these guys have done. They're really showing to South Florida that they care, that the past administration is completely irrelevant. And what better way to show to our community and during these tough times? Yeah, I had to set up a special section of the website just to like keep up with all this. I, ca- I called it fishstripes.com slash coronavirus just to keep up with all the updates because they acted quickly. It's not just the news came out Thursday officially about the refund policy that they have for game tickets. But you're looking all the way back to March when they established this home run relief fund that was specifically to assist people that were facing either financial insecurity, but most specifically food insecurity, people that either couldn't find the right ingredients to buy with all these supermarkets running out of, of you know necessities that you need, or they simply didn't have the time or uh, they didn't have the, the disposable income now that so many people are facing unemployment. So the team, they recognized that pretty immediately, way back in March, uh, putting up a hundred grand initially to set that up and then getting even more funds from some of their partners, their business partners as well, other sponsors pitching in for that situation. Uh, I believe at this point, moving forward throughout the month of May, they're actually going to have two different food distributions every single week on both uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays every single week in set locations around the ballpark and the parking lots nearby the stadium for, for anybody to take advantage of as long as you're willing to line up in advance of these drives that start um, twice a week, being able to you know keep yourself. And more importantly, if you have a family that relies on you, uh, there's no shame in like taking advantage of this generosity that the team is putting forth, trying to put um, each of these individual people uh, before themselves because they know that, they're going to be neighbors, quote unquote. The Marlins are neighbors with the surrounding South Florida community. And you want to take care of your neighbors when uh, they don't yeah. necessarily have the same luxuries that you have. Uh, you touched on it also about the the masks. Uh, I mean, that's another big risk that um, not just average people, but especially uh, our first responders, especially the, fir- the people working, uh, whether it's in on the streets, but especially if you're working in the hospitals and putting yourself in a situation where uh, it's brave enough that you want to be working in these conditions, but it's even more important that we keep those people healthy and we make sure that they're still available uh, to work the hours they want to work and to do the important work to make sure that anybody else that uh, is feeling ill to get them through their full recovery. We need all those people as much as possible to stay on the job. An important part of that is making sure they don't catch the virus themselves and the Marlins they cut up uh, a lot of uniforms, actual game uniforms, as well as other T-shirts and other merchandise to be sewn together into those type of masks that will actually secure your your nose and your mouth. And uh, I, I mean, one other guy I wanted to shout out was the new veteran catcher, Francisco Cervelli. Uh, throughout this situation, he's been bringing some light to some entertainment to everybody. He collaborated with the Marlins to actually do this cooking show that every single week he cooks a new dish. He walks you through um, 
it's it's really well done. Like very similar to all these cooking shows that you'd normally see on TV, uh, where he lays out all the ingredients, how much of the ingredients, and uh, films the whole thing uh, from start to finish, and how to put together home cooked meals. Now that so many people are at home. And that's another challenge that people face that they weren't facing before, where if you're accustomed to getting food at work uh, while you're out and about and you no longer have that flexibility, uh, he's gone through like a nice variety of options for dishes that you could cook yourselves and for larger groups. But I hope you like it. Bye-bye. I mean, the most the cherry on top of the whole thing was what I saw him doing earlier this week, where he was actually going into the kitchen with um, some of these nonprofit groups and helping them cook food to be used at the food distribution drives. He's not just like in his own kitchen at home, um, putting on the show for everybody from afar. And I mean, that's really appreciated, but to go the extra mile and to actually like get in the trenches with all these other people that are putting together these food, food distributions and making sure all this stuff is made affordable, but also nutritious and widely available it's great to see veterans like him, like stepping up in these situations and uh, doing things that he probably wasn't planning on doing during the season. It's a, it's a really good group of guys that they have in the clubhouse. Yeah, man, it all starts at the top. And Derek Jeter, Bruce Sherman, they all led by example. I mean, Jeter went on and said, hey, I'm forfeiting my salary. It's $5 million. Hey, what's $5 million? Just a, just a fine for cheating in the World Series. But, hey, that's another subject that I want to get into. Going back <laughs> to the positive things about the Marlins, I mean, like we said, Jeter, Jeter, what he's doing, the, the mayor of Miami, Carlos Jimenez, recognized how invaluable the Marlins have been as partners to the residents of our of our county during this pandemic. You know, the Marlins surprising seniors by paying their grocery bills, feeding uh, hospital employees. Like we touched giving out food over 2,700 meals to, to individuals. And another thing to get them involved with our community, the Marlins made Marlins Park a site where you can go and get tested for COVID-19. So when the Marlins are doing anything and everything to get involved with this community, to show them that they care, when all this comes back to normal, when when the when life resumes back to normal, when we get to 2021 opening day in April or March next year, I expect to see Marlins Park completely sold out because South Florida will be touched where you need to be touched in the heart. And the Marlins are gonna have won everybody over again. There's no playbook to prepare for a moment like this. Our families apart, our schools, offices, and streets quiet. When words aren't enough, our actions will speak the loudest. It's time more than ever to root for the home team. Weave our colors together for a different uniform. Cheer on our heroes that step up to the plate. And send in relief for our neighbors. In a city known for its spirit and energy, it is patience, determination, and courage that we'll see it through. We'll stand united to reach the vibrant seat tonight. The life to our streets. The roar to our crowd. We stand. We stand. We stand. We stand with you. Just focus on what you can control. And thankfully, we can control some stuff at Fish Stripes. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, we've got our own project in the works on the Marlins Hall of Fame opening up for, for the first time. And what I hope is going to be like a long-term project that we continue adding to year after year. 
But that was one thing that began formulating once it became clear that everything was going to get delayed. And despite the situation with the Baseball Hall of Fame, the national one, our plans are going to move forward with that. And we're going to have a, we're going to have our own ceremony actually coinciding with what the Baseball Hall of Fame would have been in late July. We're going to be making custom plaques for all these people that contributed to the Marlins franchise, whether as a player, broadcaster, coach, a manager. And uh, we're going to be waiting a few more weeks to announce everybody because we want to give them the proper, um, all the bells and whistles around the news of, of which guys are going to be in that first ever Marlins hall of fame class. But it was 16 people. We're, we're doing a, we're trying to make it a big haul to cover everybody that's had like a certain impact on the organization. So uh, anything else on your mind about the delayed season? Um, whether it's, I think it's crazy. It's so we, we just had, the whole month of April go by, right, with no baseball. And it's the first time since 1883 that we had no opening day. How crazy is that? With that being said, you know, I, I hope that we can have opening day on uh, July 4th. How cool would that be for, our, for the United States and for the world? Independence Day baseball opening day. I think that would be awesome if we can make that happen. And even if it doesn't, we fall short of July 4th and it's a little bit after we got to be thankful. we got to be blessed as baseball fans because other sports fans haven't had the privilege that it looks like we have in the, in the near future. Uh, La Liga canceled uh, their season, so soccer fans are upset on that side of the world. So there's hope for us baseball fans. There's hope for the NBA, um, NH- NHL. So, you know, it's not as bad as it seems. I think uh, people are, are – taking it a little bit harder because sports are out of our life. And I've already seen the Marlins win the World Series about six times. And I got to tell you, every time I watch it, I get goosebumps and I get prouder and prouder. But it's going to make it that much sweeter when we get the green light and watch not only Major League Baseball, but all the sports back on planet Earth. Yeah, I I got to appreciate all the all the brands and all the networks that have like re-aired those games. I mean, we've seen it from MLB itself and on MLB network and also streaming. On some fish drives. Yeah. On fish drives. We, we dig up our, our games of the decade that the series that's been going on, just picking out games uh, from the last few years that really stuck out, even if they weren't with the world series on the line, sometimes they felt just as, as fulfilling to win some of those great comebacks and some of those amazing individual performances, uh, Shout out to Fox Sports Florida. They just announced that they're going to continue showing games every single day for the next month, every single day in uh, in May and into June. They're going to be mixing it up, you know, re-airing some games from 2019, but also all those classic games, including every single win from the 97 playoff run and the 2003 playoff run. As you said, there's been like some overlap. It's been kind of funny though to like see the same playoff games airing one day on, you know, locally on Fox Sports Florida, and then the next day on uh, on YouTube, and then the day after that on MLB on the Network. Radio. And then on the <laughs> on radio. The radio. Yeah. It's everywhere. So it, it's, uh, you know what? what, what uh, one of the things that I want to do touch while we talk about reliving all these classical games, the only thing that was a bummer for me is that Major League Baseball, yeah, they provided the link to watch these games, but I wish they would have gave you the opportunity to change the feeds. Because I would have loved watching these old school 2003 games, 97 or the 2009 teams, and hearing fellow Ramirez, the great fellow Ramirez's voice in Spanish. 
just to hear him call a home run. How it was so exciting. How I watched the the Marlins in, in San Juan the other day, San Juan, two thousand ten against the Mets. Marlins mm-hmm. completed the sweep, and Hanley just hit the grand salami, and it was so much fun listening to to Rich and Tommy in the booth. But one side of me was like, man, how awesome would it have been to rehear fellow say, y la bola, say, bola cerca, you know? But that's, that's thinking about the Spanish community and all that. But work on it, Major League Baseball. I know you listen to us on Fish Stripes. You know, at least the last handful of years, there haven't been a whole lot of national broadcasts to begin with, with the, where the Marlins are in center stage. And, uh, even when they are, you, of course, you had that drawback where you have people actually covering the game that, um, or or the people or the replays that we continue seeing are the ones that go through the national broadcasters that don't have the same connection to the team, that obviously don't have the same familiarity with the players, that don't have the same passion for what's going on when the Marlins are doing well, and yeah, that's a big part of the experience, and uh, that's that's what we like to do a little bit on Fish Drive too. Is you know we're going to give you the honest news and analysis about the team. We're going to put it through the lens of people that have been following this team for years and years and um, and can really pick up what's special and uh, what to expect from the team moving forward. So, yeah, hopefully we get the season underway. Like I said, it was the most highly anticipated one ever since the change in ownership. And uh, with a shorter season, that makes for even more craziness potentially. And for a team that, nec- that wasn't really seeing itself as a playoff contender, if these things like unfold the right way, you get put in the right division, and uh, you change the rules in just a certain way that lets the Marlins take advantage of all the depth that they've built up in the organization, all the high upside guys, then uh, the possibilities are limitless. And that's what we're looking forward to finding out as this thing hopefully continues progressing in the right direction with Alex Contreras. I am Eli Sussman from Fish Bites, and we'll continue recording episodes of the pod of course, continue publishing stuff on fishstripes.com and across social media. We, we hope you stick it out with us because there is some light at the end of the tunnel.